Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I am really excited, as I usually am. Uh, specifically, man, I'm pumped. I spent a large majority of this week organizing and getting the Discord a little bit clearer than it was beforehand, and I'm really pumped because... After today's episode, it seemed like it worked pretty well, and everybody was able to discuss the new episode without uh, having to fear about spoilers too much. Yeah. I'm going to have to jump in to the Discord. Uh, I have not with the new episode out. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, like, I I didn't get a chance to look in the Discord today with the new episode, but I will say, like, the momentum that WandaVision's picking up, you know, multiple people, have you seen it yet? I was like, yes, twice. Really? It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, it's like, let me know when you see it. But, but like in the hallway by text, like, like it's, it's becoming a thing. My mom, mm-hmm. my mom, see, I'm going to say this, but I'm, I bring this up only because I'm dying. My mom sent me a text asking what show is it this week? And my response was in a gift family ties. But <laughs> I didn't know she was watching. Yeah. Yeah, like like that, that's what I mean. Like my mom and sister are watching. That's amazing. I think they're listening to us as well. I think I'm so not too. Sure yet, <laughs> because your sister followed us on socials, so mm-hmm. I I think she might be listening along, which is really cool. Hey, hope y'all enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, you know, normally we kind of move into our pre-spoiler thoughts, but uh, I did want to take some time here to make some quick corrections. Uh, this I don't think this is a spoiler because it's very minor stuff and we're a week away from this episode having launched. So in last week's episode, uh, I made the comment that someone had told me that we were three weeks from the end of Endgame and I didn't know where they were getting that time frame from. Well, thanks to the Rob Logan from the Geek Generation Network for tweeting at us and, and setting this, the stage correct. Uh, it was Director Haywood who specifically said three weeks and uh, I'm a little embarrassed I missed it. <laughs> Okay. Well, see, you don't like Haywood, and so you just ignored him. That's all that happened. Okay. Well, we're in pre-spoiler thoughts. Keep listening until I can make that correction too. <laughs> well, no, you did. You said it in the other in the other podcast that you didn't like Haywood. You just had this weird feeling about him in that episode. No, I said specifically that I do like him, and the only reason why is because he reminds me of Jeff Daniels. That oh, was the only right. reason why I liked that's him. Right. Okay. See. I'll be honest, like, there's times where I for- I forget what we say in the podcast. Yeah, that's all part of podcasting. I, I have to go back and listen. And what's so weird is, like, I will watch these shows and movies and, like, remember these weird little details. Uh-huh. But I can't remember without going back and, and listening to our own podcast what I said. <laughs> you know, well, and, shoot, and, I'll, and I'll have a friend who's like, you know, when you said this, I was like, I said that. When? Which podcast was that? Which episode? Well, that's so funny because since I mean, we've we've seen some uh, spikes in our backlog, and one of the funniest things to me is I'll get a random message is like, man, I can't believe you haven't seen this. Oh, I can't believe you said that. And I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. I, I need some context here. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, yeah. So yeah. So it's um. Yeah, so maybe it was somebody else I was talking to that said they didn't like Haywood. Uh, you, that's right. You said you liked it by Jeff Daniels. Yeah. It's funny. You, you mentioned corrections. A buddy of mine that I work with, he listened to our last episode, and he asked, he's like, I'm surprised you're not talking about Mephisto. And he he just jumped in with the episode four podcast. 
And, you know, and I told him, I was like, well, we're kind of convinced that Mephisto's not in this thing. You know, so we just didn't talk about it. And so, so here we go. We're, we're ringing up Mephisto, but I still, I know we're in the non-spoiler zone. I still am going to cling to Mephisto's not in this. Yeah, I'm I'm so stubbornly on that train. And once we get into the uh, spoiler section, I'll be able to explain assuredly why. Uh, right. And it's so it, we almost have to keep this idea like this could be somebody's first episode. So we almost have to like have like a brief. OK, here's an overview of what we believe so far. <laughs> right. And and that really is it. You know, we just ruined the fact that we're giving an overview. And I just admit, I don't remember a lot of what I said <laughs> without going to listen. <laughs> what do you do when the podcast is its own unreliable narrator? <laughs> oh, man. Well, that will bring us to uh, the bulk of our episode, which is season one, episode five of WandaVision, titled On a Very Special Episode. Now, before we get into the meat of it, we are going to have our pre-spoiler thoughts. So, Jude, without further ado, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts? I'm going to say that I was really impressed with this episode Mm -hmm. because the thing I was afraid of was the pacing and how are they going to balance out uh, the pacing and time. And Mm -hmm. it was 41 minutes, and of course that includes credit, so everybody knows to subtract uh, but I I felt like it was really well paced and mm-hmm. uh, which gives me so much confidence going into the rest of the episodes. Yeah, who knew the answer to the the pacing was just to add ten more minutes? Oh yeah, like I mean, ten minutes they do a lot with that, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, so what about you? For me, I think we're gonna look back on this episode as one of the defining moments of this phase and maybe the saga that we're embarking on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's one of the most important episodes. I say episodes, but we never had episodes in the MCU before. But like, just to make it easier across movies and televisions, one of the most important moments that we've had. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's it's really exciting that we, you can just watch something and know, oh, this is this is huge. Well, okay. On that note, something I do remember from uh, our man, it was episode fifteen. Uh huh. One of the ones that we recorded, you know, in person, uh, back in the summer, it was like the what to expect, you know, from Wandavision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh huh. And our question of the week at that time was, which one do you think would have a bigger impact? And I said Falcon and the Winter Soldier, just because it's more immediate. Thinking with Black Widow about to come out, you know, like all that stuff hadn't been delayed yet, and. No way. This is going to have such a bigger impact than I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier ever could. It's hard to say because we haven't seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Black Widow. But knowing that they were supposed to be the first two things we got in phase four, I mm-hmm. really think that was supposed to be the safe play to ground us. And WandaVision yeah. was going to take us where we've obviously seen so far. I can't wait to see that just to see how much the order release order has an impact on those yeah. with those two shows or if it doesn't matter. I have two more notes. Uh, basically, one is the same thing you said about the the balancing really well. Uh, they they do such a great job of balancing between those two perspectives. Uh, last point I'll bring up so we can jump into the spoiler section. I know I've said it before in previous episodes, but man, uh, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen just continue to be so impressive. The, oh, like, yeah. the amount of charisma and talent that they're bringing on an episode basis and even more so now that we're getting into some more of the chaotic nature of this season, the mm-hmm. range that they are going through 
in just an episode is just marvelous. Like I, I am so impressed with what they're doing. It's so good. Oh yeah, it's so good what they're doing. I this whatever like this show needs as many Emmys as possible. I'm really, I'm really curious to see like like they're gonna have to get one for visual effects. I'm assuming there's Emmys yeah. for visual effects. I'm used to the Oscars. Um, yeah, and I guess what you know has to be. I can't like I can't imagine there's so much a part of it. Elizabeth Olsen leading lady, right? Uh huh. Is it leading lady? Leading female? Leading woman? I think. Leading woman. I okay. I I have so tuned out to those awards because they become so meaningless to me. Um, uh-huh. Whatever the leading is in terminology, I'm assuming she'd have that would be what she's nominated for. And same thing for Paul Bettany. Like I can't imagine they would categorize them as each as supporting. Um, although I I know that that's happened before, where somebody got supporting because it was an ensemble rather than actual leading. So we'll see. Well, uh, any more thoughts before we move into the spoiler section? Uh, it depends. Is the title of the episode considered spoiler? I mean, Disney Plus it keeps it hidden until you watch it at least once. That I didn't know. I don't think. So. Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure I saw it before I started it. Nope. This morning it said episode uh, five. And then after I watched it, it gave me the title. Well, remember last week it did the same thing to you too. I wonder yeah. if you're just watching it so early. I'm going to have to pay attention to that. I I say it's not a spoiler because I've already said it and I don't think it is. Okay. Well, then I will say the one last thing then. I love the title that on a very special episode, uh, just because so much in TV, you see that special guest often used. And that's all I'll say to that point. Okay. I just I just like the use of the title there. Yeah. It's a, it's a great way to denote the impact. All right. With that being said, uh, you're going to hear an audio cue. And on the other side of that audio cue, we will be full on into spoilers. So consider this your last warning. We'll see you on the other side. All right. We're back. So... We we mentioned a little bit of our reasoning on it not being Mephisto and how we've been doubtful of that being the case all season. I texted you this. They put out a promo material after last week's episode where it was like the official poster for WandaVision. And people noticed in the background, if you zoomed in, the pattern of the wallpaper looked like the devil. Mm-hmm. I, t- I got that and I texted it to you. I've never been more sure in my life that Mephisto is not in this when, when that was released. Yeah. Because it's oh, yeah. like, it's, they're being so in our faces about it. I know. It's just, they're, I know. they're, they're prepping us for a swerve. Uh, a buddy of mine said it has to be Mephisto and he floated the idea of Mephisto's behind this, uh-huh. but we're not going to actually see Mephisto uh-huh. until Doctor Strange in the Multiverse. Okay. Which I could see that. I just feel like, man, I've gone all over the place. Part of me is just like, they have us guessing whether or not it's Wanda and some of, you know, starting to convince, oh, it is Wanda. But that just, I don't know. It just seems too simple. Yeah. You know, it, it seems like, because for as clever as this show has been, that just feels too simple. You put it perfectly. I can't remember if it was on mic or not. Why would they give us the answer to the, the, the whole mystery in episode four with five more to go? Yeah. I'll say this, just for the record, to clarify, I do not think Mephisto is in this. I do not doubt the possibility of his existence in the MCU, if that makes okay. sense. No, 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 that makes sense. It could be it could be one of those things where it's like, 
Uh, they tease it just enough, like kind of like that Thanos teaser at Avengers. But as far as having a large impact in this, I, I highly yeah. doubt it. All right, cool. As we've been doing on week to week, we are going to go ahead and break down the episode based on the most important topics that we thought and just kind of branch off of there. So the first one that we're going to dive into is Agnes's influence and the children aging, because these definitely seem to be going hand in hand. Um, I'll start off by saying this just to start off easily. I think a large portion of this episode was Wanda dealing with things that she cannot control and mm-hmm. trying so desperately to cling on to that control. What better metaphor for that than just the children who were just not listening to her or just, you know, being kids. And I thought that was just a fun way to do that. So early in the episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was that was a really good way to do that. I liked how you kind of have that. You go to sleep. You're my favorite twin you know, kind of <laughs> thing of just like because. I've been there where you're just like, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. You know, you're like, you're like Tony Stark in the Hulkbuster. Just go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. You know? Um, and so I get that. What I found interesting here with Agnes coming in Uh is, is is she came in on that. Maybe we need helpline, like classic sitcom kind of stuff. And you have the laugh track, you have all of that. And like, she's functioning on like a sitcom style. Mm-hmm. But vision wasn't right, you know. So like visions, visions pull in the maybe you shouldn't wash your hands, kind of stuff. And there's a laugh track, and so it comes across as like sitcom dad funny, but he's being serious. Mm-hmm. And you get that sense as soon as like Agnes stops and she's like, "So do, do, do you want me to take that again? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do this from the top." And and what I find in, found interesting about that is, as you said at the end of episode three, it felt like Agnes was trying to drive a wedge between Vision and Wanda, and and that would right, and like that's a continuation of that right here. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, it's no coincidence that the only meetings that we have seen with Agnes and Vision, even if Wanda's there, is Agnes is driving that wedge, and I know. The way it's played is Agnes comes in, like you said, should I take it from the top? And she looks to Wanda like Wanda's the authority figure here, like almost like that don't move or you'll get slapped back into place. Mm -hmm. But Agnes is cognizant of the show. Do I take it from the top? That's show lingo. Nobody else has deviated from the path in a way where they're like, oh, I'm not doing my lines. And so there's an intentionality there that Agnes is trying to let on this idea like she flubbed. But that was totally purposeful. Yeah. Well, you know what is also interesting is when I, okay, on the purposeful idea, I, I went back and forth. I couldn't tell if Agnes was doing that on purpose, you know, like, like to, to, into in front of vision like we just like we just mentioned or was agnes you know and i went back and forth between these was agnes expecting wanda to do a rewind edit huh. and when it didn't happen agnes was thrown off like like oh we're doing this like you're you're not going to fix it especially if one if one is the one in control and agnes knows yeah i mean i guess that is that it because I can see it either way. I, I'm stumbling on my words because I'm, I'm fighting with myself internally. Yeah, I can see your reasoning of like Agnes is used to Wanda resetting, so she was expecting it. But at the same time, if this is intentional to drive that wedge, it would be in Agnes's benefit to place the onus on Wanda in front of Vision to make him even more doubtful of her 
in that idea that Wanda was just going to reset it because we've already seen that Vision suspects she's doing something. And so if Agnes is aware of that, that's just playing into that more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I it almost it feels like a like a a chicken egg thing. We're not going to know until we know more. But yeah. yeah. Well, I and, and we'll talk more clearly more about this as we go through. I feel like they're doing such a good job of like kind of leading you in one direction and but just not quite getting you there and leaving enough doubt. Yeah. So the, you said something about Agnes's expectations and um, the way she was maybe waiting for Wanda to reset the scene. There's this feeling that there's confrontation within the reality in that moment, obviously, because that dreadful line, that dreadfulness where everything kind of gets real serious and Agnes doesn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. uh, this all culminates to the moment where we have the big reveal that the kids aged themselves purposefully to, I think, about four or five years old. Yeah. And it's a very sweet moment. And, you know, they're embracing. And then I think it kind of gets to the point where they turn to Agnes and Agnes is just sitting on the counter drinking the whiskey. And she has that line about like, you know, kids can't control them. You know, it's again, that sitcom vocabulary where it's like it's a line that somebody would throw out there for a laugh. But there, the way that she was laying up against the counter and, and drinking the, the whiskey, it almost felt like just a resignation on her part, as if the kids were never part of the plan. And now it's become even more of a stumbling block for whatever the motivation was for Agnes and whoever else. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? I was wondering, is that a warning? Oh. Like, like, okay, is she referring to, you know, when she says kids, you can't control them no matter how. Is that a warning of, like, what did Wanda just unleash with these kids? You know, I mean, because clearly is, or, or what is she releasing just in general with the officially now, the Hex? You know, is this referring to Wanda trying to control everyone in Westview? Or did she unleash mm -hmm. something and that Wanda's trying to control that Agnes is warning her? Hey, you can't, you're not going to be able to control this like you think you can. Yeah, I like that read as well. So speaking on Wanda trying to control things, what do you think are, how should I wear this? I guess this way. Why do you think Wanda is laxing up on her rules about using her magic around Agnes? Did you did you pick up on anything there? Why she's, hmm, I don't know. And because. It, okay, so there was two things there, right? So I have Wanda uses magic in front of Agnes. And, yeah. But at the same time, like, she's still right there in visions like, Wanda, Agnes is right there. Like, like. It's one of those, like, she's right there. You're having a conversation right in front of her. Mm -hmm. um, and, you, you know, so to me, it was also like, you're not being very subtle about it yourself, Vision. But it, it's interesting because I take this show as, you know, we talked about it, I think, in that first episode, why Westview, maybe it was the second episode, and is this Wanda's vision of, you know, Western American family in fact, she even went with Tommy because it's an all-American name. You know, we are Tommy. We are one. <laughs> um, so there's a deep cut to the intags. Um, yeah. Uh, if you haven't found out we do intags after the credits by now, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but, like, Wanda encourages Vision to be himself, you know. And so there's, like, this conflict of, like, I'm trying to make this family life for us. But it's almost like she's realizing... It's fake and not enough. Fake meaning, not that the reality's fake, but fake meaning I am playing. This isn't me. Let's be ourselves. You know. Also, there is a distinction I think I noticed that I feel like there's a there's two different types of magic 
going on. Yeah. There's like kind of a TV bewitch type magic. Like when she said, let's make this permanent and just done it with her finger. But then there's the Scarlet Witch power where it goes red and glowy, you know. And so it did kind of make me wonder, is like, was she actually using her power power at the magic show or when she made the the dog collar pier? Right. Or was that all part of just television reality, uh, if, if that makes sense? I think that makes 100 percent sense. Uh, there is definitely a clear distinction there. Uh, and we even we even mentioned it. That red Scarlet Witch power comes after the confrontation with Monica or Geraldine in the moment. And so it's this once the most lucid that Wanda's ever been so far in that show up to that point is when she ejects Monica from the reality and she slowly starts to realize the the power that she has. Yeah. I'm I'm skipping a little bit ahead here, but, you know, Vision and Wanda have a confrontation at the end and Vision says specifically, I think this started off subconsciously, but now you're starting to realize the power that you have. And so the fact that they're doing like a distinction in the magic is purposeful. And I really think that Wanda laxing up on the powers, Mm -hmm. it feels rebellious to me in a way. It's almost like she's testing the fences of the reality's limits. Right. And it's hard to clearly define that because there is still some wavering of is Wanda playing along with this? Is Wanda questioning this? It's really hard to track. Mm -hmm. But I really think that her laxing up in front of Agnes is that it's it's a rebellious nature to see how far she can push this. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting as well to, to add that to that rebellious nature, the only time her magic has yet to work was with the kids. Right. When she tried to get him to sleep with her magic and then back in episode three with the storks and trying to get them to go away and they fought it off. So, hmm. Sounds like you just stumbled onto something here. Yeah. So so I wonder, and, and you're right, like there is this element of with your idea of rebellion, if it's the case that it's not all Wanda and there is something else, that might be an issue where they're butting heads. Because mm-hmm. like I felt like, okay, if Wanda's controlling everything, She's the one that aged up her kids to five uh-huh. as just part of the show and what happened. But later we found out, well, at least it appears that they aged themselves mm-hmm. to 10 and then almost did it again. So there might be two conflicting powers and why in that rebellion, I can't use that magic on the kids. And I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but we do see in that third attempt at aging themselves up again, Wanda stops them. And she's like, no, you can't run away every time something's emotional and just, you know, fix things. I I forgot exactly what she says, but basically she was telling the kids, you can't just age yourself up every time it's convenient. Mm-hmm. And yeah. with this idea that you're laying out about that confrontation between who can age the kids up or not, I think it's really telling that, you know, the scenes played up as like Wanda saying like, you know, you can't fix dead. Some things are meant to last forever. And that's so contradictory to everything that this show has been leading us to believe and that she has created this for a a dead vision. It can go one or two ways. This could be her disillusioned from what she's doing or what I think is the case. This is the truest reveal of her moral compass that we've seen so Mm -hmm. far that in the face of everything that she's wanting, you know, a perfect life with vision, she still has that moral code to say there are rules to life. And so she knows that. And I think that's 
symbolic of the confrontation that we see a clear line of where Wanda is, despite everything that's painting her to be on the other side of that line. Yeah. No, no, no. That's a good read because I found it interesting. The, the It's a whole classic parent that I've done many a times. <laughs> um, it's the whole do as I say, not as I do thing. Uh-huh. B- because... Like she's helping her, their sons deal with grief in a good way. Don't run from it. Yeah. You know, process it. But that's not what she's doing if she's in fact doing this because of grief, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's almost like hints of realization of like, oh, I'm telling you to do this, but I'm not, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing exactly what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, he, she's trying to correct you know, help her kids not be like her in that regard or, or some way. Although I do, I'm going to stop here because I have some other points of that scene while we're there, but it, it gets kind of away from Wanda and over to Agnes. So I don't want to, I don't want to jump there just yet till we're ready. Okay. Actually, no, I think that's fine. Cause I, I was going to say, I think it is important to note, we're talking about these confrontational ideologies of magic, which is a sentence I never thought I would have said when I woke up this morning, uh, is, you know, it's important that Agnes is in this scene. And, you know, we've been questioning her motives for so long. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is the perfect place to talk about Agnes. Okay, cool. So, my note, four or five exclamation points, that wasn't Sparky. Huh. I don't think he, she was holding Sparky. So, and, and this goes to a larger theory of, I mentioned there, like, maybe they, what was it, uh, Jimmy Woo, Dr. Lewis, maybe they sense it because they were blipped, as we know... The actor that plays Wu said he speculates he wasn't blipped. Right. Uh, you texted me saying, I don't think Darcy was blipped because she named Dr. Lewis, although I think there was enough time to get a PhD. So I think that's on the fence, but we mm. don't know. I'm starting to feel like what Herb was going to say was everybody that's in Westview is there because they have experienced loss or grief, like a deep mm-hmm. loss or grief. And Agnes keeps bringing up Ralph and that whole scene started to center around her kid saying, you can fix anything, mom, fix the dead. And Agnes said, you can do that. But I think she already knows. I think she was holding Ralph. The dog? It, you never saw the dog. It was wrapped up in like this blue blanket. But it, it's very small. Doesn't, I, I, I don't know. Let me, let me just look, clarify we, where we, I'm at. Okay, so you we're in a, we're in a West, a sh- in a, watching a show where there's a town <laughs> that doesn't exist except in a hex bubble. That can be seen by a television, and then when things go in, gets codified to the right era, uh-huh. but still maintains the same stuff, and we're worried about the blue blanket being too small to be Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say this I, that, to, to before. Let me clarify. I'm not against it not being the dog. I was just, it was interesting to me that it would be Ralph, but you're right. You know, we're dealing with a lot of extremities here. So maybe, yes, there's some, some representation of Ralph within that blanket. Okay. So, so the overarching idea is that Agnes knows, we said from the beginning, she has agency. We said from the beginning, Wanda has agency. Vision has agency. To the extent Vision has agency, I think for me is now kind of muddled. But we've established those three characters have it. And this episode really shows which characters don't have agency, like with Monica coming out and talking about her experience, the freeing of Norm and stuff, which I know we can get we can get more into later. But if Agnes knows what Wanda can do, right, and everybody's in there is in there because they've experienced some kind of loss or grief, she might be in there to you know, get Ralph back. Like she's using Wanda to do that, you know? And that's why you have that whole, you can fix anything. And it's like, oh, you can, the dead? 
like like she already knows. And then when Wanda yeah. says there's some things that can't change, we get specifically a cut back to Agnes, and she kind of eyes dart down, look back up, and this kind of this upset sigh that I guess is over Sparky, but I'm not convinced. And it makes me wonder, do the kids know that Vision is potentially a corpse walking around? Okay, so two things. First off, I'm not a, I'm not convinced that it's corpse Vision walking around. I really don't think that I, that's what's playing here okay. because I think that was just used to scare Wanda. Well, potentially. But yeah. Potentially. But uh, it is interesting that the, the kids were able to make that connection, you can raise the dead, because how would they know that? Like, where did they get that idea that their mom can do that other than the you can fix anything mom ID? Uh, idea. So yeah, that's a, that's interesting to kind of think about. But what I was going to come back to, just to kind of underline your overarching idea, I like that a lot because we've talked a lot about Agnes being in control or at least manipulating in a way, but we've yet to establish a motive. I think you are definitely on a motive here. And that, that, that really seems like the case for Agnes. Mm-hmm. So I like that a lot. Um, so we're getting ready to move on into our next important topic, which is titled Vision's Defiance. But before we go there, I want to circle back to one moment in this first section that we, we were kind of talking around. You know, uh, seeing the corpse of Vision in last episode might have been the most gruesome thing I've ever seen in the MCU. Until this episode where Vision had the binkies in his ears and then a second later they were in the baby's mouth. I hated that so much. And it really, like, all Wanda did was just wipe it on her shirt. And then the next thing I know, the babies had it in their mouth. And that really made me mad. So you're telling me when you babysit, you don't do this. (laughs) Of course not. That's gross. (laughs) Oh, man. The kids are safe. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's funny in the noise reduction, the noise canceling thing. It was funny. And the fact that you yeah. know, he doesn't, it did make me wonder, is like, he doesn't have ears. How does he mm-hmm. hear? Hmm. Hmm. Well, you know, you're questioning this. This is what I was going to use to segue, because like I said, this point is, that we're going to be d- tackling is Vision's defiance. You know, the, the standout moment of that is when Vision's in his office and he's speaking with Norm and he uses his powers to bring Norm out of his suppressed state. Before we tackle that, just the special effect alone, you know, Vision kind of holds his hands to Norm's temples and it's kind of got that yellow glow to it. Yeah. That same yellow glow was used whenever Wanda took the binkies out of his ear. Hmm. And I missed that. Okay. There's, there's, there's so many ways we can go with this. One, if Wanda is rebellious and is testing the limits of her power, did she let the veil loose without the orchestrator seeing? Or was this an accident and Wanda accidentally gave Vision too much agency from the suppression? Because I don't think it's a coincidence that that same yellow special effect was used in both cases. Yeah, no, that can't... I mean, you could simply just say they're using that to distinguish Vision powers versus Wanda's powers uh-huh. with with the color cue as, as in just kind of like a signifier to the audience who's doing what mm-hmm. but I I'm with you I think that that's that it's more than just simple identifying who's doing what well it, it's so interesting too because I get what you mean about identifying Wanda's power and vision's power clearly Wanda has the red cue vision seemingly has the yellow cue Wanda's hands are what grabbed the binky. Why was it the yellow cue unless it was supposed to denote this is somebody's suppression being lifted? Yeah. Just 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 something to keep in mind. But like I said, the 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 biggest part of this, 
you know, Vision is at his office again, somewhere that we haven't seen since the first episode, I believe. And he has this exchange with Norm where he makes the realization that something's not right. One, because somehow Sorg gets an email in that everybody ominously reads together. But even before that, I was watching this with my friend Nedge. She made a really good observation where Vision was bringing external world knowledge out casually leading up to that moment. Specifically, whenever Norm was going on about the computer, he's like, oh, man, this is amazing. This can do this, that and this. And Vision was like, oh, yeah. And eventually it could do this. And then a step further, Norm goes like, man, you understand these computers so well. It's like you speak their language. Vision didn't get defensive like he did in that first episode. No, he didn't. So it's like if that moment where Wanda, quote unquote, lifted the veil, we're seeing that this is Vision's gradual point to where he can have his existential crisis at the end. Yeah. Uh, And I wonder how much of that was intentional. Well, okay, so two things. I still am not sure why they had them all read that in unison other than to make it creepy. Yeah. Like, Like, I'm not sure. And what I'm curious of, was this a, like, was this sent kind of the way... I don't think so, but the way Dr. Lewis intentionally sent message to the radio and stuff inside was this something sent or did vision like hack a sword message i don't know i i because that was I, I literally wrote how did sword get the message into the reality because we've already seen they've gone through deliberate dialogue to mention the phone lines are down which i just take as a broad view communications are down dr lewis had to cobble together that idea that she could use radio frequencies to get a contact with wanda through the radio yeah it seems so jarring that after all that communication trouble that they could just quote unquote send an email. Right. Especially because Vision's the one setting up the computers. What like I'm I'm with you. I don't have an articulate enough thought to to piece it all together, but there's some question as to how that message got in there. My instinct, because this is where I've been headstrong, is that somehow this is meant to to sow distrust with vision, but I don't have enough to go off of that. I am going to have to credit a friend of mine as I tell you this. Okay. And what's so funny is we're recording and he's literally live texting me the show and talking (laughs) about this scene right now. (laughs) Nothing is real. We've oh, entered, it's my nightmare. It's no longer we've entered Twilight Zone. We've entered Westview. Um, <laughs> no, but, but basically he said he said you know the computers while they looked retro, uh, they could they could be modern. You know because we know they make they they get changed to make the 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 look fit. Yeah. Uh, and so and so like how did that message? The message was already on the computer because it was a modern computer made to look retro, is what his thought was. Mm-hmm. And the more we catch up in modern technology. He feels he said he feels like that's going to be more knowledge for vision and helping him break through. Yeah. So it's just it's just fascinating that like he's literally texting me that as we're talking about it because he's watching the show and we're <laughs> skipping around. Is that the friend that I know? No, no, this is a different one. Oh, OK. Different yeah. one. OK, that's really funny. Uh, stepping back into this moment, something else that I wanted to highlight is. You know, Norm is panicking where he's like, you know, what's going on? It hurts. I I hear her in my head. You know, I got to call my sister. You know, this is, you know, he was panicking, basically. And much like we've talked about before, especially specifically with the, the blue fish pants, there is a direct choice on the creator's part of the blue pants. There's a there's a direct choice here. They never say Wanda. 
Norm just always uses the she and her pronouns. And we use the momentum that they're already building towards this being Wanda's doing to fill in that gap. But we saw Monica was able to say, it's Wanda, it's all Wanda. Why was Norm intentionally vague about it? Right, where he, where, yeah, I have that same note. None of it's real. She's uh-huh. in my head. So at this point, it could be, I say it could be Agnes and not Wanda. But it's, like you said, it's vague. It could be she. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it would have been the easiest thing in the world for Norm to just say Wanda. Wanda's doing this because if everybody is being suppressed by this force and they can hear her in her head, in their head, they would know her name. Yeah, yeah. And I I don't know why else they wouldn't have just said it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, that's another one of those things where, like I said, it's very subtle, but they're trying to get us to think one thing, and then they're gonna push push us in another direction. So another thing that I thought interesting about us returning to Vision's workplace is you had this idea that maybe this is Vision plugged up somewhere as like a like a processing data right. for whatever reason. He is a supercomputer. Right. We already know. We'll get to it in a minute. Uh, we already know he was being used for something. He was in possession of somebody. And the the way the episode plays out where Vision goes to the office we cut back to Wanda and the kids and the kids are like, hey, we need to go show dad this. And Wanda says, oh, no, he's at work. The kids push back and say, uh, no, it's Saturday. And they had this whole like confrontation about it. And Wanda expresses sometimes Vision and Wanda are not on the same page. Mm-hmm. And whenever that happens, they just need to have time apart. Yeah. I wonder if there's anything to Vision going to his job at the computational services whenever they're having a disagreement to get back on track. I, it's a, it's a, v- a very thin grab, but I think it does give some credit to your idea. So there. two things come to mind from what you just said. One for the kids and one for Vision. Uh, so let's go with the Vision one first. If it's the case, let's say I'm right, you know, and I granted we have the, the security clip of Wanda taking Vision's body. Yep. But also my note says, you know, security clips can be doctored. Um, and then I pondered a little bit as to whether or not doctors get offensive or get offended by that. Uh, just because of the <laughs> negative connotations that that, that brings, um, <laughs> um, but yeah. So like, if so, let's say that is doctored, right? Uh huh. And Vision is plugged in somewhere. It could be when he goes there, the process he's doing is data computational, sending out to Sword. Hmm. Like he's going somewhere, like downloading all this data and sending it out, and that's why he had the Sword was able to get the sword communique message because that's part of this. Oh. And he just hasn't realized that role he's playing between the two. That's, that's a good catch. Which is also maybe why Wanda had the vision, had the vision, <laughs> saw vision's dead body briefly like that kind of breaking through. So that could be that as well. Uh, and also I just thought it was interesting with the kids where like daddy doesn't go to work on Saturday. And Wanda was like, it's Monday. And so you have this competing entities on what day it is. And this mm-hmm. is the first time I think they've ever noted a day. Like, they didn't say it was a weekday when he went to work in episode one. You just assumed it was. Right. And so it's kind of like there's an assumption he's at work. It's a weekday. And the kids were adamant, no, it's Saturday. And and then rather than Wanda, like, like I don't feel like she was trying to lie to him. I think she was being honest. No, it's Monday. And then when she realized either she couldn't convince him or that they were right, then it turned to the, the family troubles. It goes more to that idea of competing realities here where the the kids can't be subdued. 
like the rest of the citizens can. Mm -hmm. And they are one of the few that can push back on Wanda in a way that others can't. Yeah. So you mentioned how S.W.O.R.D. had Vision's body and we saw the footage of Wanda going in there uh, to take him. Uh, we, we started this as the section where we're describing Vision's defiance. I think we're going to put a pin in this for now and transition over to basically S.W.O.R.D.'s response to everything on this in this episode. And we'll revisit Vision's defiance uh, a little later on because we'll have more to say uh, at the end. Okay. But playing off specifically what you said, it's clear as day sword is setting up Wanda, right? Or am I alone on this? No, no, no. I think it's I think that's what they're doing. That's what they're trying to make us believe. I'll put it that way. <laughs> so to lay out my case, you know, we get this briefing where Director Haywood was laying out all these facts. Agent Wu came in there and he was trying to say, you know, give some background on Wanda and who she is and why she was doing this. And in the middle of Agent Wu saying everything that we know about Wanda and the hero that she is, he had a rebuttal that had that energy of somebody who's letting somebody kind of hang themselves with their own rope. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. like he was intentionally letting Wu say this so he could counter with like, oh, well, didn't she start off fighting the Avengers? Yeah. Oh, didn't she have these incidents in Lagos in Germany? We all know how that ended. So there's clear bias that Haywood has against Wanda and it's slowly being leaked out. And, you know, it feels like that that footage is his smoking gun to everything that's going on. But he they they in that conversation with Haywood saying Vision specifically had it in his will that he didn't want to be used as a weapon. Mm -hmm. And Wanda was acting in in defiance of his will. Yeah. What was Sword doing with the body anyway? Well, okay, so there's a couple of questions. A Vision has a living will. What? Um, <laughs> when did he do that? Like like that. <laughs> Like, that threw me off just a little bit. It, it didn't say what was a violation of the Sokovia Accords, right? So, so like, like was the violation of the Sokovia Accords that, want, like, it, it, I took it in the way they did that statement as two separate things. Wanda was violating a living will and the Sokovia Accords, like, something separate was violated. And so I almost got the feeling, like, I could read that to Wu was saying... Haywood and Sword was violating the Sokovia Accords with what they were doing Vision's body in the first place. Mm -hmm. And Wanda violated the living will. Um, or it could be Wanda violated the Sokovia Accords and something specifically saying about Vision. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like that mm -hmm. can go either way. But, it, but it's interesting because at this point, I feel like grief for this episode is really coming out as a theme. Mm -hmm. Because it's in her grief, she disregarded his wishes, right? So this grief right. was brought up again. I get this feeling that what you were saying about Wu, right? When he corrected Haywood and Haywood didn't like it. Some way and somehow we're going to see Wu's grief out of this desire to be respected or something. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, you know, it just makes me wonder if grief is the theme. And I'm right about that theory that there, who did Wu lose, you know, or what did Wu lose to have yeah. that kind of grief and with the softball comment i feel like it's some way some kind of respect or something no just to add a little bit more i mean you're spot on with grief because even when they're doing the debrief with monica and they're asking what does she feel she said specifically there was just a lot of grief and they do a quick shot of wanda that we have not seen in any of the movies and in the tv show yet it was it was present day wanda kind of bent over like crying and screaming mm -hmm. But it's like half a second. And that's what plays over grief. And I can't confirm this because the footage we get from S.W.O.R.D. where Wanda pulls the body is not clear enough. 
But just based on the article of clothing alone, it looks like that brief shot we got is the same clothes that she's wearing when she takes Vision's body. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. You're dead on on that. So playing on this idea of Haywood setting up Wanda, uh, another thing important to note, I I was talking to my friend Nedge. Again, uh, we watched this episode on release day, and she pointed out that Monica originally was sent out on this mission almost as if to be put away. So she couldn't get in the way of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Monica even had that line when she shows up at Sword again. She's like, oh, you know, we used to be observe weapons, not create them. And Haywood says, oh, a lot's changed. Yeah. Right there is that first division that we're starting to see. And, you know, Monica gets sent out on this mission. I don't think Haywood ever anticipated that it was going to turn into this, specifically because in last episode, whenever he sees vision on the screen, Remember, we pointed out he got freaked out and had to go back to headquarters really quickly, clearly to check on if they still had the corpse. Yeah. So there's that ulterior motive that we were picking up. And and well, now you finish your thought. And I, I was going to lead into you know we're seeing Monica and Haywood butt heads back and forth. It really feels like they're setting us up for Haywood somehow being a part of this. My my belief is that he's framing Wanda, uh, coming to a lot of uh, foregone conclusions without you know enough evidence. And we're going to see Monica be putting in place um, to take back what's rightfully hers. Mm-hmm. And that's like that that mm-hmm. pressure that I'm getting between them two. Yeah. No, no, no. I think you're onto something. I think Nedge is onto something. Uh, I feel like if that's true, Wanda was like a test subject. But And to like, what would happen when you send a regular human in? I say regular human, like someone who's already out through. Like, I think he was counting on that. And the reason why I say that is when they come back, that scan. Yeah. You said, you said Wanda. Did you mean Monica? Yeah, you're right. Monica. Okay. (laughs) You're right. Thank you for the correction. The reason why I sent Monica in, because when Monica came out, the scan was blank and they said they needed her labs to be redone. Mm -hmm. So like something fundamentally permanently has changed in her out of going in and coming back out. So like, I feel like that on top of the whole line about we create weapons, uh-huh. create weapons, the weapons program, weapon X, Wolverine, the X-Men, mm. like, like they're trying to, I, I feel like that is like the direction sword is going. Like, I, I feel like this is showing us that sword from the get go is at least with at Haywood's direction. Like, I'm going to assume at the end of Far From Home, when we see Fury out there, if that's sword, then Haywood's doing something on his own, mm-hmm. right? Or he's with Skrulls and sword is completely nefarious. I really hope we don't see sword turning out to be nefarious, just because I don't want to see, like, oh, the organization turned out to be evil the entire time, like S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. especially as much as we know Maria Rambeau and now Monica Rambeau have influenced sword. I hope we don't re- retread that water. Uh, yeah, but I can I can see what you mean. Yeah, well, and I love how they validated your thought, and things get codified when you go into the hex. Yeah, you know, with the whole Kevlar thing, and I and I really enjoyed that that whole sequence of seeing that because then you start talking about like, you know, what if we send something in? Um, and actually, it might be a little bit ahead. It's just just that one sequence where Monica said photon. You know, in terms uh-huh. of like. Um, what you can go to get in to protect her. Uh, Photon is her superhero name. That was her mom's call sign in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And she mentions an engineer 
a buddy of mine, the one that was texting me like while we were recording, I mentioned earlier, all caps, uh, question mark and exclamation point. He said, Reed Richards. Yeah. So is that, you know, now in my notes, I put Talos. I was thinking it was Talos um, from the scrolls. That might be a better pool. Because I don't see, not no disrespect to your friend, but I don't see. I think it go either way. From my understanding, Reed Richards is a huge, like Stark, T'Challa, like that level of influence in the universe. Mm-hmm. And it just feels weird that we would get introduced to him through a text message. At some point, somebody would have brought him up before then, you know? Yeah. So I, I feel like I would go out on that Talos limb, but I mean, you never know. I mean, it could end up being Reed Richards. Yeah. yeah. John Krasinski, here we come. <laughs> I mean, they, they made such a, a deal of sewing the shot of her texting. So it's going to come back into play at some point. It's just all a matter of time now. Yeah. So this is something small that I want to bring up because there's not enough to go on it yet. But we've already talked about how the show has brought in sexism in a way. And we were wondering how they were going to comment on that a little bit more. Because so far, it's just been played off for laughs. Um there was a small moment that a friend of mine, Leech, uh, who I was talking to in the Discord, brought into, which was whenever we see Wu coming into Monica in Dr. Lewis's meeting, he's the one bringing coffee. Mm-hmm. And Leech told me that that was such a good, like, she got really happy at that moment because how often in TV shows is it the woman that's being sent out to get coffee? And so not only- Agent Carter. Yeah. I mean, that was, the, that was they were sending her off to kind of get her out of the way the entire episode of that. Yeah. Um, so and one fell swoop, like not only is that a step in the right direction for what they're trying to invoke by bringing in some of that negative side uh, with the sexism in the earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I appreciated that. And then on top of that, it just shows the genuinely nice person that Wu is. And uh, it seemed like such a small scene to see him like smiling with the coffee. But I, I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I love Wu. You know, me too, my, man. Just my general policy is I don't like to say anything bad. And Dr. Lewis, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> i try not to speak ill of people but yeah okay so so real quick hey while we're there first off i like that i feel vindicated a little bit where mm-hmm. and i don't even think i talked about this with pod i think i just talked with this you off pod was that monica didn't react well to captain marvel's mentioning yeah and i remember i think it was off pod that i mentioned to you of like what that would open up of you know, why weren't you here kind of feelings? Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I, I like that and I feel kind of vindicated of like, oh, that's the direction they're going to take. And two questions. Um, a, or no, a comment and a question. A, I like how they brought in the Wanda versus Thanos, Captain Marvel versus Thanos debate. Uh-huh. You know, and like, it, it, and that's just so, all of that is so nod to the fans, you know? Well, like, maybe this is because the Super Bowl is Sunday, but there's... I don't have any other way to explain this other than there's like this fantasy football feeling to it, as if it's people around a water cooler just talking about the players they drafted. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read my note to you before I ask the question. Okay. And Because Dr. Lewis called it the hex, right? And that's what people are doing, uh-huh. you know? And clearly these were all shot ahead of time before the speculation. So they had a, you know, so my note, they are super aware of what fans do in analyzing their own content. Uh-huh. Or we truly are living in a simulation and we are just being trolled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I don't want to go on that second one for my own fear and sanity. So I'm going to go with, the, I mean, that's the success of Marvel, right? They're so in tune with uh, what the audience wants. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it. Like, in-game, in a non-pejorative sense, is so much fan service, but done right. 
So they clearly like it's on their minds and they they know how to play to it well and still service a story. Yeah. Okay. So and you I don't know if you're gonna know the answer to this. And I don't mean that, sorry, in a pejorative kind of way. I just No, it's fine. I I don't know. And so I'm gonna ask, you know, anybody as you listen on Twitter, please respond or IG or email us. I believe, wasn't that the first use of Captain Marvel in the MCU? Like, hasn't it been Carol Danvers up to this point? Like, like I know at the end when Fury sang the Marvelette song, you know, the uh, I'm not singing it, Mr. Postman. I almost sang it, but I'm not. No, we were so close to getting it. <laughs> you're close, Mick Sandy. But yeah, like, I don't think that anybody actually used the words Captain Marvel. It's always been Carol Danvers. And and I feel like that's so intentional for some reason for a good for you know what I mean you don't just do that so right I think you're right and again like you said feel free to to at MC you need to know on any social media platform or email um, I think you're right and it is intentional because a scene earlier director Haywood specifically calls out to the fact that they've never said Scarlet Witch he's like oh there's no alias no silly name yeah. and and was like no so it's intentional. For what to what degree I don't know, but it does play into that casualness that Monica and Wu and Doctor Lewis are having about like retelling the in-game fight. Yeah, because it, I mean, you wouldn't the heroes wouldn't use their names. They're friends. They know each other's first names. But on the civilian level, well, I can't even say civilian because Captain uh, Rambo uh, on the non-superpowered level for now it makes sense that they would have this reverence for them and use those names. Oh, yeah. So I'm trying to briefly scroll through. I think we're in this swords response section. We're getting to probably the biggest moment. One of the biggest moments. Nope, I can't say biggest because I forgot what comes at the end. But how'd you forget that? Okay. uh, We'll we'll see when we get there. So, okay, sorry. How in the world does the 80s drone look more high tech than the first sword drone they sent in? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of my notes. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. I stumbled there because I was I lost my train of thought, but you just brought me back in. We're we're basically getting to the confrontation with Wanda and Sword, and you're completely right. The '80s drone is so much higher tech than the 2024 drone. But even before that, what I what I really feel like I need to get ahead of this. It is getting harder and harder for me to defend Wanda. But even after this episode, I am still not off that train yet. That's okay. Um, it's okay. I still, like, I don't know what it is. Like, I feel like, it's like you said, the easiest answer is Wanda's doing this because they gave it to us in episode four. That's way too early to be a satisfying conclusion. So I'm in that set. Okay, this can't be the answer. If you're writing the show, that feels like the best way to shake somebody off this answer is to have that confrontation. But the reason why I'm still not off that train is whenever Wanda comes out, she is in her full Avengers costume. It is the the same thing that she's worn at the the Civil War fight, uh, what she wore in Endgame. And to me, again, going back to this casualness we were just talking about with uh, Agent Wu, Dr. Lewis, and Monica talking about them as though they were like fantasy football drafts. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like Wanda would take the time to get into costume for that confrontation unless it's somebody who wants to be identified as Wanda. Yeah. So... I I really don't think that's Wanda. I know I'm going, I'm sounding crazy here because that's so, it's like, obviously they're giving it to us. But to me, her accent was laid on thicker than we've ever seen it since Ultron. Right. And the the meta universe reasoning has been, well, obviously, you know, she's been Americanized. She's been around other American people. She's lost the accent a little bit, but it could be 
that this is just the show differentiating between the sitcom and the reality. I think we're going to find out that that accent was just a little bit too much into, hey, look at me, I'm Wanda, if that makes sense. No, 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 that makes sense. See, I took the accent there between the two, and you hear hints of the accent in episode three with the lullaby and talking to Monica, as in like, she's trying for that all-American vibe and because because even in the acting it is that over-the-top sitcom voice you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah and so i feel like 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 the intention is to get rid of the accent for that reason and then it comes back when she steps out but i think you're right it also could be whoever's trying to keep them out wants them to think it's wanda yeah like, like if that's the way it's gonna go i could see them doing that and so just to clarify i let's 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 just for clarity's sake let's talk in-game wanda in-game Wanda has an accent. It is not as thick as the accent in this episode. So, yes, they're differentiating the sitcom by having that, like, over-the-top delivery. Uh, We'll see little bits of the accent slip in. I think the little slip-ins we've seen so far have been Wanda, but what was here at the sword base was too late on for my take. So, Well, see, the thing is, is when she says, no one will ever take it from me again, Yeah, she looked right at Haywood, and Haywood has this look on his face like... Oh crap! She realizes something, or she, mm-hmm. or or she knows something. You know. So, so yeah, like it. It's you might if if that's the way it goes, you're onto something. So to uh, I don't know if this is refuting my point or not, but back up just a little bit. Whenever they send in the drone, Monica's piloting it. She's using it as a way to kind of talk to Wanda and to like ease her down. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that Sword has equipped it with a missile, and Director Haywood is saying, "Take the shot." And this is completely without Monica's knowing. To me, that trigger happiness and director Haywood yeah. feels a lot like somebody cleaning up their mess. And so yeah. th- th- that's why I can read what you said of Wanda singling him out of no one will take it from me ever again, yeah. meaning the body. He knows, but it could also be... <laughs> I sound like I got a tinfoil hat. It could also be the person who is orchestrating all of this knows that the body was taken from by Wanda. They would both know. So that person is playing to that doubt to throw the scent off them more and onto Wanda. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So. <sighs> I know. This is hard enough. And I just realized having people named Monica and Wanda with similar sounding names is so hard to differentiate sometimes. <laughs> I'm getting tripped up. <laughs> well, you had to correct me earlier. You just had to correct me. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so I think that's wrapping it up for everything with the sword response. There's some little things here and there, but as far as the main bulk of it, I think we've covered everything we need to. There's basically two more things we want to get to. One's really quick when the commercial. So we're going to take some time to talk about that real quick. Now, um, the commercial basically is a a traditional commercial where there's a family household, a drink gets spilled, and it's a commercial for a paper towel. This paper towel just happens to be called Lagos, which is obviously where the beginning events of Civil War takes place. And the the big uh, trauma-defining line for this commercial ends up being, for when you make a mess, you didn't mean to. And it ends with the man wiping up the red drink, which is supposed to eerily, at least in my read, feel like wiping up blood. That, oh man, that tagline... Really, I was like, wow, like, like that, <laughs> that was just because so far everything has come out of her past, right? Yeah. In, in these commercials and to reference that just because in world that 
is a reason you get the Sokovia Accords. Like, people died. Mm-hmm. You know, Stark gets confronted by, you know, a, a, a victim's mom. Uh, so all of that. So it's... It, it was kind of a weird where, oh, they're comical kind of in the first. All of a sudden, man, they went really dark with that. It's so benign with the sharpest cut. Like, it's it, it cuts so deep, but it's so happy-go-lucky in a way. And that I think that's been the beauty of the commercial so far is how they can bear the weight of that trauma and be so distanced from it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is really cool. Which is really... Well, I say cool, but that's probably not the right way to put it. Uh, impressive from a creative standpoint. Yeah. Well, hey, it they they use the commercial well, and and meaning also it's after Wanda turns around and walks back into the hex, they use that commercial to transition us back inside, mm-hmm. and so they use it like naturally, like you would see in a TV show, a sitcom commercial break. Like it was so fantastic to use it in that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I got to drop. This isn't my theory. Okay, but I like it, so I'm gonna give it give it out. And also because it's my friend who has been, who is watching and texting at the same time. Uh-huh. And it's so funny. Uh, Daniel, not my brother, uh, but Daniel, the one that's been live tweeting us. And I checked. I can use, uh-huh. I'm allowed to use his first name. I checked. Okay, cool. Yeah. He told me, he's like, oh, you know, he sent me a text. Like he just watched it. And I was like, yeah, we're recording. And he's like, tell Trey hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. So my other friend that was texting me, he was telling me today at work that he feels like the couple in the commercials, because of the same one all the way through, is Wanda's parents. So I was going to say that. Uh, well, I wasn't going to say that theory specifically. I was going to question why is it the the same people every time? Uh-huh. And I want to go out on that limb with, is it the parents? But we've seen so far, everything is being packaged for viewing, because we see that sword can pick it up. Yeah. So- to me, that indicates everything that sword is seeing is in some form or shape real. These are real because they, you know, Wu, uh, Agent Wu even makes that comment when uh, Dr. Lewis calls them characters and Wu goes, you mean people mm-hmm. because they're real. Yeah. So I want to say, yeah, this is her parents. But, well, I get, well, is this more of what you said? Bringing back the dead. Yeah. I mean, vision may or may not be a corpse. Mm hmm. Speaking of corpse, and I know, I know, I, I hate this. I feel like we're running long. Um, it is such a good episode, and I have to say this on pod. Uh, so, like, I get in this habit of like texting with my phone and laptop at the same time. Uh-huh. And, oh. and you and I were talking about this, <laughs> and and I sent and I sent you a text saying like something about Wanda seeing you know dead vision. Uh-huh. And the text response immediately was, was that a spoiler? And I realized I texted my wife and she's only seen the first episode so far. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, and then no. I tried to cover it. I was just like, you you saw Infinity War. You know he's dead. Yeah. I'm not you sent me the screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> you sent me the screenshot of the text. For as much as you've messed up, that was a smooth recovery. That was really good. <laughs> I think, uh, I don't know if uh, she'll agree with me, but I thought that was a smooth recovery. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I did my best. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, uh, man. I should not text two different people at the same time between two devices. It gets confusing. Uh, it happens. This is why I created a whole Discord with different <laughs> tags and rules and roles so that none of this would happen. <laughs> Oh my god, I Wanda and the reality I'm trying to save is spoilers. 
Oh, man. Okay, we're getting off track. Just to circle us back, I have one little thought on the commercial, and then we can move on to the last bit. Why broadcast the commercials at all? But I had the theory, this is Wanda's SOS. Yeah, yeah. Which would make sense the way some things are framed. But at the same time, why broadcast the commercials? And I mean, we we just don't have enough. You may not have a thought, and that's fine. But it's it's something that I wanted to chew on, and I couldn't I couldn't think of anything right now off the top of my head. I got nothing. Yeah, like 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 in terms of being clever and driving a theme aside from the stylistic mm-hmm. sitcom, I am not a hundred percent sure. I I think I think it'll make more sense when we figure out who those people are. Uh-huh. Clearly, it each one is dealing with her past, and if she's working through grief and why all this is happening is working through grief, it makes sense that the commercials will have the accident logos, the blue soap tesseract that gave her her power, the the Stark ticking bomb that didn't go off, you know, meeting Strucker. Like, like I mean, you, you're tracing the timeline, right? Right. But why do it in commercial form? that others can see it, you know right. like that i haven't quite put that together mm-hmm. um just quick correction the tesseract didn't give her power that was the mind stone <sighs> but, but because it's the blue because you... no you're right but because it's that blue square <laughs> in the commercial it it i i have tesseract stuck in my head because that's what it looked like yeah it definitely like they definitely were invoking the the space stone but uh that wasn't the one that gave her the power there i'm mean, as important as the infinity stones are and the way it tapped into her power with the reading minds, uh, I can totally see that happening. But um, just just to, to correct it, um, mm-hmm. the only thing I can go out, and I said this is going to be brief, but I, I keep having more to say. Uh, the only thing I could say is when I went into this, like you said, I thought it was just to be clever and, and thematically resonant to have these commercials be like, oh, you know, these are Wanda's traumas. Much in the way the opening credits I thought it was like, oh, this is just a fun nod for the audience. We've seen that those credits are seen by Sword. That is that is the package deal that they are getting. We haven't seen the commercials, as far as I know, be part of that package. So that's true. That could be that could be a differentiator there. So I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there, and then well, we'll, we can revisit it as time goes on. As, as we get to the start wrapping up the ends of this episode, I, I have some thought. Like like that thought here, I have some thoughts kind of tangentially related to that. Well, uh, then why don't we go ahead and jump into that last section? Just to set the scene, this important topic that we're going to be discussing, I have called uninvited guest, and we still have some stuff of Vision's defiance to to wrap up, which will lead us perfectly into that last little bit, and so. Uh, let's literally address the elephant in the room, which is a joke towards one of my favorite little visual nods that they've done so far, is whenever they're about to have that confrontation in the kitchen with Wanda and Vision, part of the kids' drawings is a little elephant on the kitchen island. And I just, I like that. (laughs) I didn't catch that. That was really nice. I didn't catch that. I I did wonder, though, when she says life moves pretty fast out in the suburbs, if that was a reference to Uh Ferris Bueller. Huh. I've seen Ferris Bueller, but not enough to have a functional... Life moves pretty fast. Up. If you don't stop and look around every once in a while, you might miss it. Like, I haven't seen it. Like, I've seen it, but not like not start to finish. Yeah. Okay. Am I disappointing you? <laughs> well, well, look, I I'm trying to in my head decide if me not seeing Parasite is a problem <laughs> when you haven't seen Ferris Bueller. <laughs> I've seen it like in pieces enough to put it together, but. 
<laughs> anyway, Jude's looking for another co-host. So yeah. if you'd like to, uh... <laughs> oh man, that's good. Uh, all I was going to say is the elephant had a little yellow circle. At, I mean, a yellow diamond in his head. Oh man, I didn't, I'm going to have to go back for that. I didn't see that. Yeah. So no, we, you know, we were we were talking about Vision's defiance. He spent a large majority of this majority of this episode pushing against the limits of what he knows is real. And eventually it gets to the point where him and Wanda, he basically confronts Wanda. He says, I was able to lift Norm's suppression. I know what you're doing. And he tries to bring it up and Wanda basically tries to end the episode. And then that fight continues. Yeah. What? What? I, okay. A couple of things. What I find interesting is you do see this in TV sitcoms, mm-hmm. where for the most part they don't get very dramatic and serious. But every once in a while, like one episode a season, they really tackle something serious, you know, to the best yeah. that they can. And it felt like that, right? Because that conversation felt like that of like you have a problem, kind of what you'd expect in in a sitcom, and she denies it. And that turns into a fight and you, and you get kind of that, that, that moment. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciated the way they did that and that, that feel of it. I do wonder, as you were talking about, it seems so far like sword has not seen those commercials. I did kind of wonder, I was like, they ran the credits, like did sword see the fight. And, and so I guess they had to have, cause they saw beyond the fight, like who showed up, right. but the credits rolled. And so like if Wanda's like technical directing this and producing it, I guess the didn't, it, it comes to the question of who's broadcasting or what's actually broadcasting mm-hmm. and what they see. Cause credits are rolling and they even the credits when, when vision raised his voice, right? The vision has this breakthrough and he raises his voice and we jump in from watching the show to being into the show. We even get the audio cue, the credits go away. I took that mm-hmm. to mean that now we're in show and Sword's still watching credits. But at the end, yeah. Dr. Lewis is seeing what's happening. So so it was kind of hard to tell, you know, how that was going, especially because earlier, I forgot to mention this, when Wanda came out and you hear that alarm and you hear breach and Wanda's coming out, when they all running away, the television they're watching on, I believe, had color bars, which is like old school color bars come up and some were sorry for technical difficulties uh-huh. like that came up on the screen so it was like the broadcast i felt like there the broadcast stopped but it didn't stop here that i think would lend more towards what i'm saying that that wasn't wanda and that was the orchestrator because if the orchestrator has left the westview how could they broadcast right yeah that's really good. That's a good catch. Yeah. So, so it makes me wonder, like, again, like, like who is that broadcasting? Because the credits rolled. We get the audio cue that all episode has has let us know that we're in Westview, you know. And and so, so I was just curious, like, who got to view that fight? Yeah. Well, trying to view it from S.W.O.R.D.'s perspective, let's say the fight gets censored. They saw the credits. They also see the, the, the uninvited guest. Could that be the show's in tag? In that, mm. l- let's let's take this from if this is a TV show and we're ending on like, clearly things are wrong. The couple is fighting. What do you do? You bring in a guest to shake things up. Yeah. And so. <clears throat> <coughs> Excuse me. Vision, so help him. It's... <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> we could have a whole a okay. com- compilation of intakes of you doing this to me. <laughs> Oh man, I think that might actually stay in the edit too. 
<laughs> oh, man. Okay. So when I was saying it's almost in that same vein, we talked about it. Vision starts to pick up on Agnes's timing of how she's always there when they need something. Yeah. And it always seems to be the front door or the back door. Right. I think... This is the or I'm just going to start whenever I'm referring to everything. The orchestrator. Okay. The orchestrator was bringing in the guest to put everything back on track, so that would be what makes it to the broadcast and not the fight. Right. Yeah. That so. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do find it interesting that the orchestrator. I like that. I really like that. Thanks. Uh, I do find it. I I find it interesting that like he had the line, "You can't control me." the way you do them. And she says, can't I? And it just kind of reinforced to me. Okay. So dead, you know, vision corpse does have agency, um, Mm -hmm. to, to a certain degree, uh, still, but it's interesting because she tries to control them the same way she did in episode three or four. Yeah. Roll the credits, you know, and, and and then vision has that breakthrough. You hear the, the kind of needle scratch credits end, and then they have the fight. Yeah. And it's, we've talked about it before, how, one of the biggest differences between Vision now and Vision in the movies is how emotive he is. Mm-hmm. And we've never seen him show that much emotion. Vision has real anger here. And even though he's never been emotive like this, this makes me feel like this is Vision. There is an existential cry for help. I mean, he's it's like we were talking about, the, the agency. He doesn't know who he is. He has no memory of life before Westview. And we're watching someone like, come to grips with that and and questioning their own reality and even as a synthesoid that's pure like he says it i'm afraid yeah that to me that was so moving oh yeah yeah that was such a good well and, and not only was it so moving it fit with how do i want to put this the the whole idea of them being married and having a fight and him confronting her and her kind of denial and he said like you can't just go turn on the tv and watch something like you know you can't just ignore it you know fight that felt more real than sitcom-y if, if that makes sense uh-huh and and then that moment of like you said this moment of vulnerability of anger but also sharing the for the feelings i'm afraid you know and and so it's not just that there's this sense of like we're in this together i don't want to feel this i don't want to lose this trust in you and i'm scared like like it was just they, they handled that so well right there um mm-hmm. especially in the use of powers how he lifted up she lifted up uh it was god it was so well done yeah and then i love the whole the before what vision can't remember before and just because some of my notes were here it was like does that mean he's a puppet Right. Like he's Vision Corp's puppet Mm -hmm. and a remnant of him is kind of breaking free. Or did Wanda bring him back, but withheld his memories because he's like, what's outside of Westview? And she knows what's outside of Westview. And she's like, you don't want to know. Right. And so that's like she's protecting him by withholding those memories. (sighs) That's a really good read on the whole protection. This, this circles back to something that I wanted to bring up, but we just for the sake of brevity, we're moving forward. But in this idea of Wanda withholding memories, whenever we go back to the beginning of this episode, we have the title credits and it starts off with showing pictures of Wanda as a child. And then it shows pictures of Vision as a child. We know that's not true. Yeah, it's funny. I loved Vision at the chalkboard. I know. In the holiday <laughs> yeah. pictures too. I, I, want, I want Vision Santa at the mall. When COVID's over, Vision Santa. At the mall. I now want a Vision Santa Funko Pop. Oh, that's, you know, that's coming. Oh, it's got to be coming. Uh, 
So anyway, back to this idea of like Wanda protecting his memories. I don't see why Wanda would do that and create these memories of Vision as a child because we've led this idea of this is Wanda's perfect reality. Whether it's an orchestrator giving her what she wants the most or her denial of reality and creating this, it's some semblance of what we think she wants the most. Why would that involve changing the person she loves? Mm-hmm. And it, it, well, and I don't think it would because she wants family. Creating the imagery of vision as a child would be that wanting the family. No, no, no. no. What did you say? Why would it change the person she wants the most? Right, because it was it was creating these artificial memories that yeah. weren't there. What, like to me, like you wouldn't want to change. To me, that what you're trying to protect from is the outside reality of people finding out who they are and what they're doing. Not they. She wouldn't change them themselves. Right. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So why would you why would you want to change the person you fell in love with by taking away his memories, taking away what was real? To me, it's just to, it just goes more to illustrate that horrifying nature of let's say both of them are real. Vision, we still don't know to what extent, but both of them are real in their agency. They have both woken up in this reality because Wanda even says, I don't know how any of this started in the first place. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what's true. And the one person that they could re- rely on was each, was each other as partners and even the details of who they are are breaking apart. And so there is nothing that they can cling on to to trust. And it's just we're watching them be ripped apart that way. Right, right. And so it's, to me, that's where this idea of there's a wedge that's just being splitting them apart is coming from because there's inconsistencies in desire of external and internal factors, I guess, to put a bow on that. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, think, you're, I think you're reading that right because- when the doorbell rings, uh-huh. Wanda immediately says, I didn't do that. And she realizes Vision doesn't believe him. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is in my note is I actually believed Wanda that she didn't do that. So did I. And I, I put, you know, Vision can't disbelieve without agency. Yeah. You know, and and so like in that moment, like, 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 so, so to your point, like, yeah, this is who you love. So you want them to be who they are. Right. If I'm so I got you right on that. Correct. Right. Okay. But I still feel like if the whole theme is grief, she is trying to protect him by not having those memories if this is what she is doing. Uh-huh. You know, I don't want you to have the memory of being killed twice, once by me and once by Thanos. You know, yeah. I don't want you to realize that you're dead. We're we're putting together this perfect life. And and he's he's breaking free of that. Yeah. Now, I have a I have a theory as to why that's happening. But I'm going to hang on to that. Okay. Now, and here's why. It's because something you said earlier, a couple of podcasts ago, and I said, you're closer than you think with the comic. Uh-huh. And this goes right exactly with that thought. In fact, okay. on my notes, I spoiler tag blacked out my outline <laughs> notes on this just so you wouldn't see it. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, if anybody you know wants to chat with me about that, I know Nick Sandy's actually private messaged me on Twitter, <laughs> um, and we'll <laughs> you know uh, or join our Discord and private message me on on that, and we'll talk about that thought. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny because but I'm I'm gonna save you from it because because if it's true, then it's yeah I don't want to ruin it for you. Right, and it's so funny because uh, Nick Sandy has done it. I think my friend Cody has done it too, where they're like, "So, how much do you know about this specific comic?" And they want it, like I could tell they want to tell me so badly, and I had to straight up tell them, "I was like, look, this podcast is living or dying on our ability to speculate. I don't want to know because then I'm not going to have anything to say for the next couple of weeks." 
So I appreciate you yeah. spoiler tagging it, and I appreciate Nick and Cody having uh, restraint on telling me exactly how close apparently I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're here. Uh, the thing we've kind of been alluding to all episode, uh, the uninvited guest, we have Pietro, but from the X-Men side of the universe and not the Pietro that we know in Age of Ultron. I, I love how well they did that because they they could have cut, like they cut, so so actually we know Dar, uh, Dr. Lewis saw this because they cut to her, you know, right? right. So that was to Wanda, uh, I think Vision, Dr. Lewis, and then back to where you see the silver hair. Right, like, like yeah. they could have just cut right to the face and gave us that moment, but they didn't. They cut to that silver hair and let you think it was Age of Ultron, Pietro, mm-hmm. and then they cut, you know, back one more time, and we see it's Evan Peters. So obviously, we know that this is opening the door to a much wider universe of potentially bringing in the Fox X-Men universe. And even specifically, I found this out on the Marvel Studios subreddit. Somebody was watching with descriptive audio. It even said Quicksilver, I believe Quicksilver, from the X-Men universe. So there's no hiding the fact that was in the description. Okay, okay. So I'm going to say this. Let's set aside the meta-knowledge of the X-Men universe. In the eyes of Wanda and everyone else, this is someone... I, I know. I know you said kind of resembles Pietro with the gray hair. To me, I think that's where the similarities in. Uh-huh. In her eyes, there's somebody who doesn't really resemble him that much, but comes in and says, hey, I'm your brother. And she just rolls with right. it. Well, Vision, Vision, I couldn't tell. Like reading his face when they did that cut before they revealed, I couldn't tell if it was somebody Vision didn't know because Age of Ultron, he should know Pietro. But was that someone Vision didn't know? Or did he not remember him? Because we were just talking about uh, suppressed memories. Right. Hmm. Because Vision does kind of just like lay his head down in defeat. Like he just kind of like just sulks. He even says, who is that? So that is a clear defining. He doesn't know who it is. Hmm. I'm thinking about this because basically what I was going to say is setting aside our knowledge of the X-Men universe. I I don't doubt we're going to see some sort of merging of universes now that Disney owns the Fox universe. But I wonder how much this was them playing with our expectations because of the meta knowledge and we know who Evans Peter is Mm -hmm. or if this was going to be a misdirect and, you know, they're not going to tie anything into that, which would save us for the bigger surprise of something more down the road, potentially in this season where we do see a more definitive universes are crossing. Just because from a storytelling perspective, we've never had an insight into those other universes. So we... There's no weight to the characters in the show of reacting to that. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Like it makes it makes sense. Like I said, there's no weight. It makes sense that they have kind of a they don't recognize them. Uh-huh. Wanda has kind of an inkling, but doesn't really know until he says it. But the rest of us know. Right. Well, cuz even like oh, Dr. Lewis, the simulation she- is trolling us. <laughs> well dr lewis she says she recast her brother so that is i the love sig- that line <laughs> so good it's on par with don Cheadle's. it's me come on get over yep. it like yep. that's yeah just deal with it like that's that's on par with that but i'm i guess i'm just trying to like anchor myself before getting too excited because i know like i said i know they're merging universes at some point but i'm trying not to get too excited yet as of right now, the only significance we know from a storytelling perspective is that Wanda has, quote unquote, recasted the brother. And so 
I was trying to follow that logically in, does the orchestrator have meta-knowledge of the X-Men universes, or is this just a play on what we know? And I, to me, that was a broad insight into what the person doing this may or may not know. Because if it is brought in to put Wanda back in track or to scare her in place, that seems like the way to mess with her, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like we're going to find out the orchestrator is Kevin Feige. <laughs> and the real world is going to collide and merge. And, uh -huh. and so that means, yes, he has the meta knowledge. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Feige somewhere in his office saying, fine, I'll do it myself. And he puts his own gauntlet on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, OK, so let's 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 think this through, actually. And this is speculation, but yeah. And wild speculation, because that's what this episode's turned into and WandaVision's turned into. And I love it. Where's Leech? Where are these wild speculations? Okay, um, so <laughs> the, the Russo brothers tease coming back for Secret Wars. Yeah. The most recent run of Secret Wars, not the 80s version, was about the multiverses colliding and Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange, and I think Reed Richards too, but Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange, like, taking fragments of each different universe and holding them together into one new world. Uh-huh. Um, didn't last long. But, like, that was kind of the premise of it. And I'm wondering, like, maybe are they drawing from that in, in mm -hmm. the kind of lines you're going, like, orchestrator? And so they do have that meta knowledge and pulling them together, uh, especially if we're ripping open the multiverse. Yep. I, could, I don't feel like they're going that way just because you're drawing from something else and there's so much House of M here. Uh-huh. You know? And so I don't feel like that's the case, but, like, it gets that vibe because they use the Evan Peters X-Men Quicksilver. Yeah. I, all day I was texting a gift of the X-Men to people. <laughs> as soon as I knew that they watched it, I'm like, X-Men, X-Men. Oh, man. You know, like the, the 90s themes, cartoon theme has like been going off in my head all day. Another one I'm not going to That's say. why I was like, I, I kind of wish we could like use the, the credits as like the entrance for when we got to the neighbor, I mean, to the yeah. guest. Yeah. That would have been a fun drop, but we can't for copyright reasons. But, um. Law-abiding citizens. But yeah, this is, this is what I meant in my pre-spoiler thoughts. This will be a defining moment in the next saga of the MCU. Yeah. And it's it's crazy that we can watch it and feel it in that moment. Yeah. Well, and it's weird because as much as episode four, you had so many people, I think, had that whoa kind of moment. This one even more so. And not just because it's Evan Peters Quicksilver, but because you have now four episodes left to finish your story. Yeah. And that was a. I think even, you know, clearly, I think, an even bigger bombshell than the end of episode four. And you got four episodes left to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. I'm so hoping they're all 40 minutes like this one. I hope so, too. I really think they will be. Well, if there's nothing else, I think this is going to lead us into kind of like any stray thoughts or anything you want to wrap up before we move into predictions. Um, you know what? Let's just go into predictions. I'm good. Wait. I Oh, oh okay. Let You have your stray thoughts. I have one. Go ahead, then. Okay, like, I have one. It's... It's real quick, so it'll be good. It was just something oh, that... Oh, actually, actually, now that you say that, I do have a straight thought. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll do mine real quick, because this is actually from my friend Nedge. Okay. She's been pointing out, as we've been watching this, how there's been a lot of imagery of wild animals. So, obviously, the stork, the giraffes in the nursery, and all throughout that episode. Uh, this episode, we had the tiger on the table, the elephant, and maybe not so much wild, but we had the bunny and we had the dog. It feels like they're drawing on this imagery of captivity with these animals, and I wonder how much that's going to be intentional or just blue curtains. That's nice. That's a nice catch. Yeah. So what about you? What was your stray thought? 
God, I got multiple straight thoughts now that I scroll through my notes. Uh, <laughs> so I'll just rapid fire them things because it's stuff okay, that I have it. that we just didn't have time to really discuss. Um, and so yeah. maybe we'll circle back to it. But like uh, Monica's line, I survived because she chose to protect me. Um, yeah, vindication. You know, well, well yeah, and it, and it kind of gives that who's doing this. Uh, so there's things that like that didn't bring brought up. Um, you know, I, I like that Wanda was thoughtful and quarantined a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, never mind. Anyways, uh, uh. inside joke there. Uh, but, you know, like, like again, I mean, <laughs> in our pandemic. Uh, but no, I do there. The other point is um, the mailman showed up and I feel like he has something to do just because of the comments he makes. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So that's that. And then one last kind of cool thing. At the end of TV shows on CBS, including Family Ties, um, yeah. <laughs> at the very end, end there was a production company called UBU Productions, and they ran uh-huh. in the 80s and 90s, and their little end tag was this black dog holding a Frisbee, and a guy would say, sit, boo-boo, sit, good dog, and bark. Uh-huh. And like I immediately thought of that when it was Billy or Tommy, one of them said that to, you know... Sit, Sparky, sit. Good dog. And I was like, oh, that's that's completely a reference to to that because that happened at the end of every, almost pretty much every show in the eighties that you watch. I'm probably on CBS because that's that's where Family Ties was. I didn't catch that, but that's a hundred percent. Yeah, that I like that a lot. So, so that was my my last thoughts, and I'm sure there's other things like this. This yeah. episode had so much. Uh, mm-hmm. But you got to edit that's it, the, so let's... <laughs> yeah, that, that's the hard part about these just two-day turnarounds is, like, there's so much more to cover, but we felt like we needed to get the most important topics. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So we'll look forward to any uh, any corrections or things we miss brought up to us on social media, which we'll get to in our plugs later. But we are going to move into our predictions of the episode. So, Jude, do you have predictions for next week's episode? Okay, predictions for next week's episode. I think there's going to be another confrontation between... Uh, I think I think the tensions are going to rise. You're going to see a confrontation between Vision and Pietro because uh-huh. I think he's going to, you know, who are you? And Wanda's going to have, this is my brother. What are you doing? And it's going to drive a further wedge. I think- May also be why they've been emphasizing Vision's speed. You know what? Like, I would be also be cool if, like, that's the Halloween episode because we've seen it, you know, from the, the trailer, the very yeah. first, first trailer. And- he goes dressed up in his Quicksilver outfit. That would be so fantastic. Um, oh, that'd be good. But I think we're going to see a big confrontation at Sword between Monica and Haywood. Um, uh-huh. it, well, either it's going to be that because of new lab results or mm-hmm. Monica's going to uncover something nefarious is going on. So I think we're going to get that yeah. in the next episode. Overall, for the entire series, X-Men are coming. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What are your predictions? So... Uh, just you, you brought up something. Like we're just going to get Nightcrawler bamf in and, and like Dude. say hi and then bamf right back out. And you never know. So you, you brought on something that I want to touch on. Um, because you mentioned the Halloween episode from the trailers. We're talking about the trailers that started before the show. Um, I think it might be a good a distinction or a good thing to let people know. I think I could speak for both of us when I say we don't watch the preview trailer for the coming episode. Right. I have which I've, yeah, we've seen a lot of people complaining about how spoilery those are. So whenever we make these predictions, these aren't based on anything that we've seen in those coming episodes. Yeah. Not only because, one, they haven't come out yet as a recording, but 
I know that they have been leaked or screenshots have been leaked from them. So just for everybody's safety, when we make these predictions, we're not basing it off any info from them. Right. But spoiler warning, I guess. And I mean, you're if we're past right. the audio cue at this point. So. Oh, yeah. Um, so for my prediction, I think that we are going to have a better understanding of Agnes's role in Westview. You know, you mentioned it. We're in the final four episodes now. And just from a storytelling perspective, we're going to see a momentum shift towards the end. Like things are going to really pick up. And out of everything that we've learned so far, there's still a lot of mysteries. But one of the bigger ones is definitely Agnes's place in all of this. So I think we're going to see a shift in learning more about who she is. And I think that's going to tie in almost kind of with your prediction with this new Pietro, new and improved Pietro. Um you know, we've seen that Agnes has been there to give what is needed in the moment. I wonder if her place in this will be revealed through Pietro. Yeah, I I bet so you're right. That's my prediction. I bet you're right on that. I was I was off by one episode and then off by saying uh, that Wanda would be doubtful of Vision, mm-hmm. but we definitely got that episode of Vision being doubtful of Wanda. So yeah, close enough. I'll give I'll give half credit. Hey, well, you're the teacher. Can I get half credit on that? Half credit's a thing. Half credit's a thing. oh i love it all right well i think that's gonna do it for our episode so if you have any thoughts or anything you want to talk about that we may have missed you can always reach us at mc you need to know on twitter and instagram or if you'd like to write us an email you can write us at mc you need to know at gmail.com and while you're doing that please leave us a rating and review on apple podcast or wherever you're listening it Feedback helps us. It helps us uh, grow a bigger audience to have a larger conversation. And the best way to help us is share with a friend. And if you'd like to join in on all the excitement as soon as you see the newest episode of WandaVision, or if you'd like to discuss the episode that we recorded, you can always do that with other people in our Discord, which is linked in the show notes. Like I said, I spent a lot of time this week uh, organizing it and getting a little bit more clear on where people can go to have spoilers and stuff. Uh, It'd be really cool. There's a lot of great people there, and I think you'd enjoy it too. We also would like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on the SoundCloud, which is linked in the description below. You can find him in the Discord as well, actually. <laughs> yeah. Come hang out with Nick Sandy and Leech and Nedge. There's a lot of them there. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening, and thank you for doing this, Jude. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. I was trying to follow that logically in, does this mean that the orchestrator has the meta knowledge that we know? Bless you. Sorry. <laughs> well, we got an in tag if we didn't have one. Bless me. <laughs> okay, bless you. Um, I can pick up right here.